The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to share with you today a story of revival in Argentina. I'm going to share with you today from the book entitled Thy God Reigneth, the story of revival in Argentina by Dr. R. Edward Miller. It was published in 1964. This is the amazing story of what God did in Argentina. Now, I want to preface this. We have asked far too little of our God. We have looked about us and demonstrated our own ability to earn money and take care of business. We have in America a 
a great pride, independence, but we have missed the mighty power of God for many years in this nation. And I am standing by faith for the joyous work of Holy Spirit revival in America. It's the only thing that can turn the tide of darkness that is sweeping over this nation. Sexual perversion on every side. Dishonesty. Lying, cheating, stealing. Public corruption at the highest levels of our government. The only possible way America can ever survive is if by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit we turn back to Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. I share this story with you in the hopes that it will encourage you to cry out to Jesus for revival in America. Some who are listening to this broadcast are from China or Vietnam or Nigeria, Somalia, other nations where the power of God right now is moving in revival. People are turning and repenting for their sins. They're getting right with Jesus. God is preparing a great harvest of people a great harvest of people for his kingdom. Oh, I want to be a part of that great kingdom above. I've been asking all morning out of Romans, the eighth chapter. I've been asking for the Holy Spirit to come and intercede for me. I've been asking Jesus to pray for me for the National Prayer Chapel, for each person who's a part of it. But now I want to come and pray for you. May I? Lord Jesus, I am praying for revival in the heart of every person listening to this broadcast today. I'm asking that you would reveal yourself in might and power and glory in their lives. Holy Spirit, Would you intercede with groans that cannot be understood? That each one listening today could be quickened by your Holy Spirit, baptized and filled with power for the work of the gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. Again, it's R. Edward Miller, Dr. Miller who was a part of this great revival and part of starting it under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the book, Thy God Reigneth, the story of revival in Argentina. The midnight hour had long ago passed. All nature seemed stilled and expectant. The very heavens, filled with glittering stars, appeared to draw closer and closer. Out from the depths of the heart of a young Polish lad, a cry born of God ascended into the very heavens. God heard, 
his answer came. Was it imagination, this strange feeling? The very stars seemed to press down upon him. Brighter and brighter they appeared until they were great orbs of fire. And then in their intense light, a greater light appeared. A being from the heavenly world drew near until it enfolded him. The lad, still in his teens, found himself in the very presence of God, holy, majestic, terrible. A great fear fell upon him. Jumping up from his knees, Alexander fled in terror back to the refuge of the Bible Institute, little realizing the part he was destined to play in the great move of God in Argentina, little knowing why he had been burdened for so many months in deep, burning prayer that had robbed him of so many nights of sleep. Out in the fields, in the forest, of this home now in the early mornings hours in the sweet meadows that surrounded the institute alexander had continued to pray and now god had come to him inside the institute building located in city bell a small town near the great metropolis of buenos aires argentina everyone was tranquilly sleeping little anticipating the drama about to unfold outside alexander pounded in desperation on the door to his terror he found it locked he called out for someone to let him in finally one of the students awoke recognizing his voice and rose to let him in Thinking to escape the awful presence that accompanied him, Alexander ran into the building, but the heavenly visitor entered with him. In a few moments, all the students were wide awake as they felt the holy presence, the fear of God fell upon them. They began to repent, crying out to God for forgiveness. The Spirit of the Lord, holy and mighty, dealt with them all. Not one person could escape the holy fire of his presence. One girl, unwilling to undercover, uncover her sin, unwilling to repent, unwilling to abandon it, quickly packed her suitcase and disappeared. For many nights afterward, the students feared to be alone. Even those in one room would vault into one bed, not even bothering to take off their shoes, for the fearful presence of a living God had accompanied our angelic visitor, and the students were afraid. The next morning, June 5, 1951, we all gathered for the announced time of prayer. It was to replace the regular day of classes. Outside, a great storm tore the atmosphere as if it were a great conflict in the skies above us. Inside the Institute, an air of expectancy hushed all to silence as we waited for God to move. A few moments after we began to pray, our heavenly visitor came again and stood by the side of Alexander who was transported in spirit by this mighty being to faraway countries. He began to make journeys over the face of the earth, looking down and seeing many cities and knowing the name of each one that he was taken to visit. 
He opened his lips and began to speak slowly, deliberately, distinctly, repeating each word twice or more, telling us the name of each city he visited. City after city, beginning with cities in Argentina, he then moved out from the country to country just as if he were deliberately reading off the names from an atlas. Neither student nor traveler could have named such a long list, much less much less this lad from forest jungles, which barely a primary school education. As he moved in spirit from country to country, he gave the name of each city in the language of the country, English, German, Slavic, Arabic, languages we didn't know. He told us afterward how he looked down and had the sensation that he was visiting the cities one by one. Hour after hour, the naming of the cities continued, cities the Lord promised to visit before the end of the earth comes. The next morning, as we gathered again for prayer, the Spirit of the Lord brought us all into strong intercession. Students and missionaries were melted together under his power. As we prayed, our visitor manifested himself and stood by the side of Alexander. He could not be seen in human form, but manifest himself so markedly that we all knew that he had come. In spirit, he was seen by Alexander, who talked with him. Again, Alexander began to speak, repeating slowly and distinctly the words he heard from the angel. To those of us listening, it was a tongue altogether different from any other we'd heard, but we couldn't understand what he was saying. At the same time, another lad came forcibly under the power of the Spirit of God. A national, young and even less educated than Alexander, he had often discords and quarrels with Alexander, the natives, nationals versus the foreigners. Of different races, backgrounds, and temperaments, there were no natural bonds to unite them, yet suddenly upon this national lad the Spirit of the Lord also came, opened his ears, and caused him to understand as plainly as he could his own language all that was being said by Alexander in an unknown tongue. They became one in spirit. The content of the message so frightened this young man that he ran from the room outside he told others of the strange sensation and the understanding he had in the chapel and they urged him to go back to interpret the message for everyone else he complied and he entered the chapel again and he tried to give the message but another strange thing took place every time he tried to speak he would choke up as though an invisible hand would squeeze his throat shut Frightened, he ran again from the room. Meanwhile, Alexander slowly and patiently repeated the words, knowing that the young man should interpret them for him. When the lad ran from the room, in spirit Alexander knew he had gone and called him back. Yet Alexander's eyes were closed in prayer and worship, lost in the tremendous presence of this visitor, whose almighty, 
atmosphere surrounded every one of us. Several times that morning, the young man ran out. Had to be persuaded to return. He understood the strange and sometimes frightening messages. Yet when he tried to speak, he would choke up. So he ran out again, and then finally someone said, if he couldn't speak, why didn't he write the message that came to him? The young man began to write the messages. It was just what God wanted. The message began to flow, noted first on a piece of scratch paper and then written on the blackboard or read for everyone to hear. The young man worked as God's scribe, and he wrote down the messages dictated by the angel and spoken in an unknown tongue by Alexander as he was in the spirit. God's desire was that the messages be written out and kept, not spoken, to be soon forgotten and lost. When the spirit first fell upon the assembled group at the institute, one young man, a medical student, who has since received his doctor's degree, attending the class as a day student, was scandalized. This is of the devil and must be stopped, he protested. But when he read the first transcribed message, he was convinced it was of God. I know this young man, he said, and his lack of education and literary ability, only God could cause him to write in a style like this. Meals were forgotten. An occasional sandwich or quick lunch was sufficient. Sleep, a necessity, was interrupted. As the group continued on in prayer, the visitor would manifest himself and leave another message. Many hours were spent in deep prayer and intercession in the mighty power of God. After the first week, the visitor did not come so often. Yet the mighty presence of God continued upon all, forming a circle around the institute buildings of several yards. Strangers coming within the individual radius remarked concerning the strange sensations as they would enter into the presence of the Lord. All those whom God took into this strange, wonderful manifestation were sealed into extraordinary intercession in the Holy Spirit. They prayed such as I've never seen a group of people pray, although there was little understanding at that time of the purpose of the tremendous waves of intercession. Yet hour after hour, a great cry arose to God from each one present for God's intervention. Students, teachers, missionaries were bound together in divine manifestations of the Holy Spirit, weeping uncontrollably in deep brokenness before the Lord under the burden of the Spirit for Argentina. I'm going to stop a moment. I know what's being described here is what we need in America. Most of us are not able to pray for very long, or or if we do, people have reported to me that they go to sleep. Others have said to me, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. 
it seems like there's a wall there. I understand. We need the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to pray as intercessors for this great work of revival in America. And I am pleading with the Lord to come down in mighty power upon you to become an intercessor with the Holy Spirit for revival, to push back the powers of darkness and open the way for the Holy Spirit to come in power and do his work. I continue reading. This is Dr. R. Edward Miller's book, Thy God Reigneth, the story of revival in Argentina. Because the power and the presence of God made this very ground around a vortex of spiritual activity, we did not sit around reading and meditating upon the angelic messages during those months. The presence of God was too real, the work of the Spirit in our own hearts too vital, the Bible too important a book to make the prophecies a center. The Lord himself was our center. Prayer became a strong, terrible crying out to God. The word of God opened before us became a consistent handbook to guide us. The spoken word came forth in mighty anointing power. Prophecy flowed as rivers from many vessels. God worked in individual, in individuals, cleansing, transforming, and filling. For mercy and pardon, cries ascended to God. As the war in the heavenlies progressed, intercession reached out for lost souls, for the cities mentioned, for this great country so utterly bound in paganism, idolatry, and Catholic tenets of religious pretense, which satisfy by ritual but leave the inner life a pitiful vacuum. All present were united by this mighty wave of intercession, which continued on hour after hour after hour. Ever upwards, the Spirit of God carried us. The fountains of the deep were opened as tears flowed like streams down the faces of those young folk caught up into God. He wept through them over his beloved world that did not know him and traveled on alone into an eternity without him. One missionary, prostrate on the floor for several hours, saw an unforgettable vision of the cross. Vacation time came. Several days had passed without the angel appearing again. We didn't know whether or not he would return, as he never referred to himself or to his activities. A lifting of the Holy Spirit gave a certain respite and clearly, clearly indicated that the Lord would have vacation days respected. Some of the students and teachers went to a town close by and the Spirit of the Lord accompanied them there. One young man received a call to ministry as a result of the visit of these young people. As I waited upon the Lord for his will and guidance for the resumption of classes, he spoke clearly, indicating an entirely new order, giving a list of the subjects to be taught exclusively from the Bible, and the name of the teacher for each subject. Class time was extended from 45 minutes to two hours. 
Three classes were to be held daily, each teacher having an assigned class time. The classes were opened with prayer and waiting upon God until the Holy Spirit indicated the bringing forth of his word. Messages came when there were a full heart preparedness to receive them. Through the following months, God honored this order and schedule, anointing the teacher responsible for the class. The spirit of prophetic utterance was common. Often the messages given through prophetic utterance confirmed the messages given previously by the angel through the the latter they would still be in the hands of the scribe there was a strong confirmation to the particular operation of the holy spirit through all that he had appointed one young woman a missionary's wife had never taught in her life and was very frightened at the prospect only after much persuasion did she finally consent and to our surprise, when she took her first class and began to minister, the spirit of prophecy came upon her. For nearly an hour, she brought forth a precious lesson, fully in accord with the subject assigned to her, and fully prophetic. This happened in every one of her classes. The days that followed sw- swiftly slipped by, The waves of deep intercession lifted as the word was ministered, and the visits of our heavenly visitor became more infrequent. Among the many visitors, messages, and manifestations, the most important were the deep, heart-tearing intercessions when our very souls were poured out before the Lord in a cry that originated in God himself. Then one Friday morning in September... The word of the Lord came forth directly and in mighty power. Weep no more. The lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Intercessions and promises over Argentina followed, telling of the wonderful things he was going to do in that nation. With this word came a mighty release. Immediately there was a change as if a great weight had fallen off our shoulders. A song of praise was born in each heart. Great joy rested as a mantle upon each present. The sound of laughter, at first strange to our ears after the months of weeping, was heard. The holy language... I just lost my place. I'll find it. Okay, here we go. Praise came forth as spontaneous as the intercession had come. God had come forth in victory. Though understanding little at that time, we knew that all of those weeks of intercession had not been in vain. We knew beyond all doubt that God had brought forth his plan and purpose into victory. Coming down from the glorious heights in the presence of God into the stormy atmosphere of the outside world, we heard strange news. A revolution had broken out in government circles. It was abortive just lasting that day but to us it was highly significant as though it confirmed these things we'd been told by the angel 
as though a great hand had reached down to shake the very seat of the Argentine government, both physical and spiritual. That day the ruling spirit of Argentina was bound, and the strong man of Argentina was overcome. The lion of Judah's tribe had prevailed. Michael had once again come forth in battle to help the children of the Lord. The angelic visitor had mentioned Michael, our prince. Jesus had said, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Matthew twelve twenty nine. Up to that day, Argentina had been under a terrible handicap. The ruling prince of this country had ruled his kingdom almost unhindered. The work of God was pitifully small. The few scattered works had been raised up with great sacrifice. If a small church had a few conversions a year, it was considered most successful. A miracle of healing or a baptism in the Holy Spirit was the most outstanding event. The prince of evil was not bound. The strong man still possessed his house and his goods. But from that day on, the Lord began to speak hope into our hearts. Messages, both written and spoken, told of revival to come and of mighty blessings to be poured out. Visions were given of countless multitudes hearing the word of God and receiving it. In spite, in spirit, we saw visions that left our imaginations uncomprehending. The lame walked, the blind eyes were opened, the miracles of healing took place. God was going to loose a mighty river of life over this country. Another vision revealed the fall of one of the most powerful women in history, Eva Peron the beautiful, evil, spiritist wife of the president who had usurped more dictatorial power than her husband had. God was going to take her in hand and intervene to bring this nation to himself, transforming it from paganism to Christianity, from idolatry to the worship of the real and living Jesus. As word got out of what God was doing, scoffers were not lacking not having been in those many months of preparation many could not believe such mighty prophecies and they rejected them unwilling to receive the word of god strong and bitter opposition raised up against the little band some felt it was doing god a favor to openly reject and oppose some went so far into blasphemy that they were severely dealt with by God. Great suffering, sorrow, and death resulted. In spite of opposition, God continued on with his plan. He would not be hindered. The gates of hell could not prevail. Unbelieving and scoffing men could not detain the Lord God of heaven. He is mighty to save. God was given God had given spiritual weapons into the hands of believing children who dared to use them, the sword of the Lord. 
the shield of faith, prevailing prayer, and the blood of the Lamb. With these, the all-conquering lion of the tribe of Judah had arisen to scatter his enemies. The power of his might would be seen again upon this earth. I want to stop again. Do understand, if we'll pray, he'll do that in America. He'll do the same thing. He's no respecter of persons. That's why I've been spending with others many hours crying out to God day after day, asking for the mighty work of the Holy Spirit to be brought to America, for the healing of the sick, for the restoring of the blind. We've been praying, O God, let signs and wonders accompany the preaching of your word. For we need many people to respond and turn from their sin and repent of their sin and believe the Lord that they are new creatures in Christ Jesus. They're no longer sinning Christians. That's that's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a sinning Christian. If you're Christian, you're washed in the blood. You're clean. You're in Jesus. You dwell in Jesus. And you walk clean in him. Waiting for that Holy Spirit to come in power. We continued to believe God. For two years, God had been leading us up to the place where we could move into his plan for victory his plan for revival. It did not all begin on that morning in early June when the angelic visitor came to Alexander, the Polish lad. That was but one of the glorious steps that led us ever upward into his high purposes. It is not our purpose to trace out all the beginnings. Probably we don't even know about them all. Nor are we trying to give credit to men Many were the servants of God who, in utter obedience to him, had their part in the many events that led up to those days. Our purpose is to give, as we know it, the direct line of the progression of events that led up to the moving and intervention of God at a given time in the history of man. That completes that chapter in the book again by Dr. R. Edward Miller Thy God Reigneth the story of revival in Argentina we have been much too slow to begin to understand what God wants I was up in the early, early hours of this morning, long before daybreak. And I was meditating on the Word of God. And part of what struck me as I meditated on the Word of God was how so many of us in America have had our lives, our work, our friendships, our hobbies. And then we either were raised in a Christian family or we heard about Jesus some way, a sermon, a radio broadcast, 
And then we did all we could to add Jesus to our already very full life. And so we have measured our Christian walk and we have looked at our Christian walk through our experience. And so we don't imagine that it's possible for Jesus to come as he came in Argentina in response to these children's prayers. We don't imagine he can come like that because we've never seen it. We've never experienced it. Now it's clear our experience does not dictate the reality of what God wants to do or who God is. And it's of utmost importance that we literally begin to examine the scriptures and ask the question, what kind of life should we be living in the Spirit? What kind of life should we be living in Jesus Christ? And are we willing to let Jesus begin to teach us about the kind of life we should live instead of just having Jesus jammed into an already full life. This story I've just read with you of the Argentina revival, this young man was called to pray by the Holy Spirit, and as he obeyed, barely educated, as he prayed, his prayers became more intense. And finally, much to his surprise, God came. And when God came, he came to the whole institute, the Bible institute, he came to the whole institute. And the whole thing was turned into a a time of prayer and intercession. If you read the story of Reese Howells, God prepared Reese Howells and the Bible school to become intercessors in the Second World War against Hitler. And many, I among them, credit that intercession with winning World War II. It was perhaps more effective than our bombs and our bullets. For it invoked our holy God who rearranged battles who canceled and who created what he wanted to cancel and create until finally this utterly evil, wicked man, Adolf Hitler, was destroyed. And the Allied forces gained the victory. It could easily have gone the other way and perhaps should have in the flesh. But God said no. The Lord God of heaven said no. Now please hear me. If you're dis if you're discouraged in your prayer life, repent, please. This morning as I came before the Lord, crying out to him for this radio broadcast and for you, for me, for the National Prayer Chapel. 
I'm waiting upon God to bring forth what he desires in revival. There are only, I think, seven or eight of us in the National Prayer Chapel. We meet Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, and we have intense times of sharing, fellowship, prayer, and the Word. I know that one day he will send thousands. I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit. You notice I'm not trying to convince you to come because that would be fruitless. You must come as the Holy Spirit calls you and as the Holy Spirit directs you. You must come in response to his call. As I read carefully this eighth chapter day and the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, it says, therefore, in chapter eight, verse one, there is now no condemnation. That is no judgment against, no curse for those who are in, E-N, in the Greek, in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Now he continues who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit now we need to just very briefly talk about what is meant by flesh it means different things in different passages of scripture and it sometimes can become exceedingly confusing Um, we were all born out of Adam Adam was born in the flesh he was created he was shapen out of the soil by God out out of the soil into flesh And then God looked at all of his creation and he said, it is good. It is good. So it's not the flesh that's evil. Not the human flesh. This body is not sinful in itself. It only becomes sinful when it is taken over by the demonic presence and as it's taken over by the demonic presence then it becomes exceedingly evil there are descriptions in the scriptures of of these sinful things that that come let me read it for you in Galatians 5 Verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious or are manifested. They show up in this adultery, sexual immorality, adultery, 
They show up in impurity. All kinds of impurity. Every evil spirit spoken of in the scripture in the gospels is described as an unclean, impure spirit. It's much more than sexual. It's also the love of violence. It's it's the love of violence in football. Football is impure. It's not pure. It's not of God. It's debauchery. Now I know many of you call yourself Christians and you have added the wicked professional sports of our day to your life or you have not excised them you've not cut them off you've continued to walk in them and in so doing you're walking in acts of the sinful nature idolatry verse 20 what is idolatry idolatry is putting a husband or a wife ahead of Jesus putting a child ahead of Jesus putting money ahead of Jesus this is a huge one because we have our jobs and we have our life and we have all of that and we've got it all under control and we have our insurance and then we want to add a nice um, whipped cream of Jesus on top of all of that no it doesn't work that way Idolatry is when I place an idol between my heart and God's heart. He's been convicting me, showing me idols that I have established in my heart. And my heart is grieving over those things, and I've repented. I was not even aware it was an idol until I looked carefully at it as I studied this portion of Scripture recently. witchcraft witchcraft is drugs the original word in the Greek for witchcraft is the same word for pharmaceuticals drugs opiates witchcraft also includes positive affirmations people who say oh I won't I won't mention that because my words might create that that's witchcraft it's not of God witchcraft by definition is where I try to affect the spirit realm to produce what I desire by the way I speak they believe that faith is a power and God used power of faith to create the world no the scriptures teach that faith is believing that rhema word of God and standing in belief that God will do what he promised he would do. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions. Envy. 
Oh, I know so many people who walk in these things and they call themselves Christians. My brother, my sister, this is not Christian behavior. This is wickedness. And we must repent. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, we're just about out of time for today's broadcast. I want to come back to this tomorrow. I am desperately concerned that we walk in the Spirit, that we not walk in condemnation, but that we not walk in sin. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I've been set free, brother, sister. So have you if you're in Jesus. If you're still caught in these things I've named today, you're not free yet. You're still caught in bondage. And your salvation is very much in question. Now, just a couple of things I need to speak with you about. We're almost at the end of the year and the end of this month. Many of you are celebrating Christmas. I don't put a tree up and I don't... I celebrate Jesus. <laughs> Not the pagan holiday solstice. But whether you celebrate Christmas or not, the fact remains, this broadcast needs you. I need your financial support as you are moved upon by the Holy Spirit. We're almost at the end and we are still far, far short of our goal. We are several thousand dollars short. I didn't want to do an offertory before Christmas. But I'll need to next week if if the Lord does not move and compel you to give at his calling. There are some of you could give a thousand dollars or even two thousand or much more. Or as a dear sister Ellen sent twenty five dollars. Some of you send $10. Every bit adds up to the final total. God knows what that final total is, and he always makes it work, and we pay for the month of radio. We're a faith ministry. If your heart is touched and called to the Spirit of God by this message day by day, then would you share and give this Christmas? to pay for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, please, I'd like to pray for you. Almighty God, you know what the financial need is for this broadcast to continue. You assigned me this task, and so, Jesus, I'm being faithful. 
I now ask that you would cause your people to likewise be faithful. Lord, there are some I've not heard from for quite some time, and my heart is concerned for them. I lift them up before your throne. I ask Jesus that you would encourage and lift up every person listening to this broadcast today. I ask, Lord, that any who are depressed would turn and cry aloud to you until your spirit comes and gives them the courage to stand on their feet and shout with victory that Jesus has done it all. Lord, there are many who are sad at this time of year. I pray that you will be their joy, that you will lift them up. Mighty God, I thank you for your kindness, and I look to you now. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. This is Pilgrim's Progress. And I would ask, please, that you would write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You would also be a great encouragement to my heart if you'd go directly online and give at the PayPal. Just enter your name and address and the information it's asked for, and it will make sure the money comes directly to the Pilgrim's Progress. So go to nationalprayerchapel.com and thank the many of you who've already given and the many of you who've given on PayPal. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.